Welcome everyone to the Iron Fist podcast by Fantastic Geek. We are the official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. Hello, Matt. Hello, everybody. Here today to talk to you about our overall impressions of Iron Fist Season 2. Pete, we started Iron Fist in the beginning of September. Here we are at the last day of September, this being recorded, this being released, and uh, excited to talk uh, mostly the highlights, maybe a couple lowlights from this vastly improved season two. Well, that's where I was going to begin. I don't think anybody could objectively watch this show and not say it got so much better in the second season. We're we're not haters. There were things we both liked about the first season, but given that it was run by like the third or fourth largest villain in all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe in Scott Buck. I mean, listen, it goes Thanos, Loki, Killmonger, Scott Buck, as far as as villains are concerned in this universe. Um, having done what he did to Danny Rand of, of Rand Enterprises in uh, season one, and then what he did to the entirety of the Inhumans royalty for whatever that was. <laughs> uh, well, that is certainly uh, difficult to argue with. And uh, we, of course, have M. Raven Metzner coming on in, swooping in to save the day in hero yeah. fashion. And uh, this is season, I think, regardless of whatever the genesis of the 10-episode order was, Marvel will say, it's just what fit the story. No way. This was a cost-cutting thing, I guarantee. Because, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day... Did you did did the stars make less money? I mean, probably not. Or they, or, or at the very least, you know, they had hundred. They had so much money ahead of time. If they lost a little for a couple episodes, no big deal. The fact that you have the electricians, the carpenters, the boom operators, people like that who worked less on this show, there's your cost cutting. As far as I'm concerned, regardless of the genesis, though, it was better as a ten episode arc. It was. And I look back at points of the season. Well, I think we spent a little bit too much time in Colleen's uh, apartment, formerly a, a dojo, obviously a set there. Um, you don't pick up on what people have historically pointed to and said, well, this is the, the Netflix bloat. This is the part of the season that could have been excised. I, I don't see that where they're a couple moments I, I might've liked excised, particularly when we were talking about some of the, some of the Davos stuff. Is there a, uh, a, a small group or squad that I would have like completely <laughs> <laughs> removed from this because, you know, squad, uh, definitely. But, um, yeah, I mean, in the way they ended this and in where it went, I don't know how you can't be pleased. My concern remains, though. Are we going to get the payoff of the story tracks that they laid? What with Colleen now uh, wielding the fist? What with Danny having these uh, Iron Fist-powered guns? Did he get the fist back? Is is that part of the equation? Um Love where they took it. I, I just, without a renewal, I'm, I'm worried. Well, it's funny. That ending, it's like this outsized ending that, that lifted the whole season. 
yeah. kind of in a weird kind of dark mirroring of the first season, which was interminable to get through at times. But when you got to Defenders, you were like, yep, excuse me. I, I did all the reading. I, I, I know all <laughs> I know all the backstory. I did the 13 episodes. I understand the hand. Um, and, and that kind of in a weird way lifted up the season one experience, although kind of, you know, only because then it prepared you for the next thing. This is, I think this has everybody excited for season three as a result of season two, even though it kind of was story-wise the beginning of season three. Um, but you can't fault, I mean, an uplifting ending that gets you excited for more of the thing. I mean, that's, that certainly is a smart way to do it um and i just hope that it involves everybody except for davos because i have filled my davos mug to the brim <laughs> and i'm good to go yeah um betting on him as the villain i i think was a mixed bag he provides that foil to danny we got to see someone else wield the iron fist uh uh, under his presumption for good, I'm going to eliminate all of these uh, bad people, um, but obviously not. I mean, it, it it doesn't quite get to metaphor level in terms of, well, you know, I'm going to take out all the bad hombres and, and everything like that. But uh, he believes he's doing the work of of an iron fist whereas danny and everybody else knows that he is murdering uh these triad gang members and and he wants to take it even further he's consumed by this power the same way danny now admits in hindsight to having been consumed by it and i think that was an interesting choice they made as well to to create the the drug-like metaphor of the iron fist which all the more made me question, well, why would Colleen take it on? But clearly they're going with she knows she's down the right path in terms of what she studied with Bushido and, you know, having her head on the way these two men don't to to do it the right way and to go about it with some modicum of balance as opposed to being all in of Iron Fist all the time, the protector of Kun Lun, the sworn protector of Kun Lun, the enemy of the hand, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think that there are entire elements of the whole Davos arc that you just recapped, including the Colleen intersection, her taking the power. I think that there are whole portions, little portions of that arc that, that play as you said it, but they did not show it that is to say yes we understand that davos is kind of corrupted by it and we kind of sort of see it but a little bit more reflection on his part i think that could have been a, a more uh, fully realized character i kind of feel like davos was a two and a half dimension character not quite a three dimension character but also not you know not entirely lacking either ditto with colleen um kind of following what the story said which is uh, someone must take out Davos. It should be Danny. Danny must train. The teacher is stronger than Danny. Therefore, it should be the teacher. That is her. She should take it. At no point was there that reflection of like, man, what will what will happen if it corrupts me? You know, can I overcome it? Well, this is something I have to do because I think I'm better than Davos. You know, all this could have been some good character-driven stuff, but story was racing towards that conclusion. 
um, again, you know, evidence of a 13 episode arc compressed mostly for the veterans 10 episodes i don't know we've wondered the same thing with mary you know was was a bloody mary was the third personality coming out and really wreaking havoc was that always going to be set up in season two and brought over to season three or was that going to be was that going to be for the final three episodes it's a brand new villain and that just got got cut off you know cut off cut out i I don't know but I think there are elements of the entire season where it plays on paper perfectly and in execution, it's fairly perfect. So much of this flew below the radar until we were like a month out and it's the show is coming. We're like, holy moly, man, we we expected it would be Daredevil and not this. And then, oh, it's wait, it's only two episodes or 10 episodes, <laughs> two episodes. I remember exchanging texts with Matt, like, wait, they're, they're only doing 10. What, what the heck, man? Is, is this, is this the way of things now? Is it not? We, we still don't know. I've seen the first six of Daredevil for season three and, um, still don't know. Are there going to be seven more? Will there be four? Will there be any? <laughs> um, I'm sure there's more, but, uh, yeah, on, on the Davos thing and, you know, joy included in that because so part and parcel early on in the season of that revenge storyline, you know, how much of that do we have to lay at the feet of, of Scott Buck again? And he's the one that set up, okay. Uh, Davos went off. He meets Joy in in uh, Paris and, you know, um, Madame Gao and everything that you have there. Um, they, they were painted into that corner. I don't see how they could have not gone there. So they had to deal with that. The way things now have, have opened up. And again, as secretive as Netflix is, you can't imagine they would have gone in that direction without some plan of how what they had shown you was going to continue. Netflix, Marvel, the same. I mean, I'm thinking back to uh, the the Jessica Jones panel we went to at the Paley Center this past March, and there certainly, there there were moments where there was kind of this push-pull where it's a Marvel thing. No, it's a Netflix thing. No, it's a Netflix Marvel thing. No, it's... Only you know, some decisions are only Netflix says Marvel. Some decisions are only Marvel says Netflix. And it's kind of this weird, you know, kind of cross parentage that we were seeing for Jessica Jones, which I'm applying to all the kind of, you know, the Marvel Netflix sphere here. Um, I suppose that's probably true of most, you know, studios make a thing and networks uh, host the thing, and get it out there. So there's going to be that push pull. It's maybe just a bit more obvious because of all the, other corporate goings on, which we've covered, I dare say, ad infinitum this season. But yeah, like what is what is the future plan? You get the sense that the show has a has a plan. I mean, clearly it does. It's setting up season three. Clearly, Marvel would like to make more. I mean, there's been what two cancellations this entire time. Right. Um, but what is Netflix's wants and needs and and all that? I don't know. Well, as far as other highlights, I don't know how you could view this season and not care for Colleen even more, despite what she has to deal with 
in Danny. I mean, she remains the best character in this show, uh, fully realized and I think sympathetic. Um, it's easy to understand how she was was uh, brought into the hand last season or prior to last season and how nonetheless she was a good person and then kind of removed herself from the whole the whole wicked bunch and all of that and turned into the hero that we always saw her as. Um, I think, it, you know, so if she's at the top there, I mean, Danny is a better character this season. I know we spent some time in the course of the season discussing whether he was being intentionally painted in a bad light. Uh, I mean, if so, then you can say, well, that's a positive story contribution, even if I'm not liking him in this scene or that scene. Um, I feel like we got better Ward. Ward certainly had a redemptive arc. Joy <laughs> certainly did. She went from being with the bad guy team to the good guy team. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely positive character movements for uh, for everybody there. And then when you have so much of her and Misty throughout this season, I mean, it was a big deal when we had the one episode team up in season two of Luke Cage. And really all it was, was, you know, two or three scenes, one of which was uh, a reluctant fight in a, in a bar room and to get them together, get to not do the daughters of the dragon thing yet. And it's still hanging out there. One has to just hope at some point we get around to that. If not its own series. Yeah, you would hope. Uh, and you'd hope that it doesn't get killed in the cradle by corporate, you know, figurings out or whatever, whatever's going on in that venue. I personally would have liked to see Misty Knight maybe be a full member of the cast for most of the season. Not what was she in? Maybe four episodes, maybe five. Um, and I think kind of then, you know, as the story called for da 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 da, here she comes, which is a good use of her, but. I don't know. I would have. I think I would have liked that mashup to have been from the beginning and to have been consistent. Now, maybe that. Maybe they had that on paper and it just didn't work as the story unfolded. Maybe we have the best story presentation here. But I feel like when I heard that she had joined the cast, um, that I had one expectation and I got less than my expectation. Great as it was. I got a little bit more. I did not expect her to be as present in this uh, season as she was. Um, And then with a character like Ward, played by Howell, New Jersey's own Tom Pelfrey, very near to where we are, um, the continued growth, the very uncomic book storyline and a character you can't help but want to see on screen. That is certainly true. And perhaps shifting to what is simultaneously a highlight and a low light, a character that I wish we saw more of on screen, Pete, it's, it's, it's Rob Morgan, the actor, the thespian, (laughs) the presence on screen. Why did we, we, I'm grateful for what we got in Turk Barrett in that one scene for the season. Why did we not get more? We, we got our Turk Barrett, and that's what you got to look at. The guy is ridiculously busy. He's doing season three of uh, Stranger Things. He did Mudbound. He's 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 blowing up, as the kids like to say. So, you know, we, we got our thing. 
hopefully we'll continue to get our thing. Uh, I remain passionate about pitching as many Turk Barrett uh, series um, projects as uh, people will tolerate because I think there's a place in this cinematic universe for uh, an anti-hero with a heart of gold. Pete, I'm just seeing here, I was not even aware that he was in another Netflix thing that is, for better or worse, uh, the latest uh, Adam Sandler movie released exclusively yeah. on Netflix. He was in that. He's uh, There are two movies that are wrapping up uh, post-production now that are coming out in 2019. He's in a movie, Just Mercy, that's filming in 2020. I mean, you're not kidding that this guy's blowing guys up. Guys get a ton of work and, you know, couldn't be better. He's He's left twitter a couple times uh but i continue to follow him on instagram and you know just a, a hard working guy and checks a lot of boxes in terms of of what he adds when he shows up on this i i love the the, the netflix portions i mean last time we saw him um with marvel uh he's working out of you know his his relatives uh marijuana shop in in new york and here he's He's selling the weapons and uh, but he's hitting the golf balls. You know, they they've never poorly written him and he's never underperformed him. Heck, I didn't know that he was in Godless, the Netflix miniseries yeah. that, that's yeah. now an Emmy winner. Um, yes. There is somebody at Netflix that I think has a has one of those like crazy person yarn and push pin things that that has <laughs> that has determined that if you don't have Rob Morgan in enough of your, I don't know, financial quarter or something like that, then then that's when subscriptions go down. Um, uh, Pete, I'm going to check out all this stuff based on the based on yeah. the the charisma of Rob Morgan. Yeah, get me in the room, man, and, and we'll we'll get him his own series. <laughs> that would be fantastic. Look, it doesn't need to be ten episodes. You want to no, do five? You want to do no. two? Whatever it is. Listen, we 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 got away from those one shots, and I envision a Turk Barrett season to be little longer one shots but just to give us turks day-to-day in his interaction and and you could get the the pop-ups and and the cameos and the check-ins with all the various characters he's been in all of the shows now uh it's the thing we come to look forward to hey when's when's turk barrett gonna gonna come up um you know, and, and being spoiler Pete, having to hold it back and not being able to tell Matt, oh, Matt, where do you get to where do you get to episode eight? You know, and, and he pops up. Our guy pops up. You know, he is he is beloved. We've run into him at, at New York Comic Con. And uh, yeah, can't get enough of him. Pete, from the highest height of Turk Barrett to the lowest low, not enough of him. What are some other areas where maybe season two of Iron Fist could have been improved? <sighs> the the BB squad thing. And I, I know what they were going for, but it just really, what were they going for with that? <laughs> they, they wanted some street urchins, uh, a, a broke ass foot clan vibe. And they never, ever squared it up. Um, it, it was cloying in the way they tried to, reference the the talk of kids today matt which which you and i have a, a fair 
uh, amount of experience with, it, it felt like somebody urban dictionaried some terms and okay, now, now we're going to, uh, we're, we're going to have some young kids. Watch out everybody. It's youths. Um, I would say for me, I think uh, uh, talking about a low point here, I think for as well executed the Davos is your bad guy for the season arc was for as well executed as that was, you know, I would have liked a little, I would like a little more variety. I think back to a tweet that we got early on in the podcast where somebody said, you know, oh, I think I figured out who the bad guy is based on the first episode. And I kind of was like, at the time, maybe we were three episodes in, something like that. And I was like, really? I'm not quite sure what this guy's talking about because the only person who could possibly be a bad guy is Davos. And clearly that's not him. And then it was like, oh wait a minute it's davos isn't it it's it's gonna be davos um but i, I still think davos with the fist and davos before that is i consider him a different character um and and that's why when we were talking early on yeah i don't i don't see it as just davos i see it as a, as a distortion as taking it too far as what they've now established this phenomenon that i think they will continue to explore should we get a renewal? And again, I'd handicap that as like, you know, eight out of 10 right now um, for season three, because I think in Orson Randall, um, if they indeed bring him on the show is going to set up a, a similar vibe in terms of the, the need to have and hold the fist and what it means as opposed to being a protector of something. I, still wonder why it is that there's such a reluctance on on behalf of marvel netflix to do like a multi-arc season i think that it's out of this it's out of this place of hey we finally made it to we made it to the big leagues we made it to netflix we're not hampered by all right 42 minutes on cbs and then everything has to reset at the end of it so we can have another adventure of ncis csi whatever next week and it needs to be able to be viewed out of order and reruns 20 years from now we made it we're free it's the novel of television now we need to fill up this is 10 episodes this season now we need to fill up this novel for tv we need to fill up 10 episodes worth as opposed to and, you know, I think of that season two of Daredevil where you really did have a first half, second half, because the first three, four episodes, your bad guy, at least in the story, wink, wink, we, of course, knew better. But the bad guy was the Punisher. Then things flipped around. Um, I think of the first season of Star Trek Discovery, where it really was this intentional first half, second half. And I'm not saying, you know, 10 episodes is too much to keep track of or anything like that. I just think. I think that we're at a point now with TV where the the luxury of the novel for television and a season-long arc, you know, if you have the story for that, great. And if you don't, I mean, it would have been cool to have Davos, you know, first, I mean, Davos first half and Bloody Mary second half or something like that. Uh, to be fair, too, I guess Luke Cage season one did that as well, uh, where they kind of split it. But I just wish that was done more often because I think that it would just add zip and add add value to the story. Joy, I think, was a character that went largely unfulfilled, sadly, this season. They set up all this – well, she's 
you know, divested herself and she's gotten all this money and she's going to do this solar thing. And it's all an off screen situation, apart from the fact that the beginning first six episodes or so, uh, joy is largely one note. And I didn't come to care about her until she talked about, uh, you, you know, that idea where she was feeling, Davos out trying to figure out where the bowl was, where she really wanted to to bury Danny when I became Team Joy for like 50 seconds before I realized it was all just a ploy. I applaud the show for giving us a, a, a joy that was uh, businesswoman, independently minded, uh, future headed, clean energy, things like that. But as you said, most of those things are things which are told to us, not shown to us. We don't see her acting in a business capacity ever. I mean, there's some shuffling of paper here and there, but certainly certainly we don't see much of that. Now, to be fair, am I asking for more, uh, you know, kind of boardroom scenes where we're going to sit and talk about, you know, we're going to do a three-minute scene on di divestiture options and stock, this and that, the other. No, I'm not saying that that's the show for this, but you don't get to both claim her as this forward-looking, independent businesswoman and green thinker. You don't get points for that. And then, well, if you get points for that, I'm also going to deduct points for saying that she's doing all these things but not actually seeing it. You know, so to me, it kind of ends up being this neutral result of, I'm glad you had her in there and I'm glad she was doing things that weren't business businessy things like in the first season, but you can't claim she's, you know, she, she's this green energy solar person just because she sits in her loft and says so. The fight with the Crane sisters for me, Matt, between Colleen, Misty and them is the highlight of the season that, you know, with, so much has been made about the uh, the Black Panther fight choreographer that they brought in. The fights were much, much improved this season around. And then again, what we get at the end of the season um, sets up potentially the best, the strangest, the weirdest stuff yet to come. More like the source material than, you know, uh, corporate drama in which a man has a kung fu hand. Well, but but Pete, you mentioned that the, the Crane sisters, uh, some of the people that we know that are entertainment quote unquote reporters that refused to watch Iron Fist season two because it was so so just anti woman and anti independence and anti person of color. Uh, wait a minute, the Crane sisters and that big whole fight scene that takes away uh, all of that argument because it was empowered powerful women kicking butt across the screen, whether it was for the forces of good or evil, or the Crane sisters thought they were good and the good people were evil and all that you know you're right it's a it's a wonderful bit of story it's a wonderful fight scene it's wonderful character stuff for all five of them and it's it's <laughs> it's the high point of the season in a lot of ways and it, i don't know how you could watch all 10 of these episodes and not be left with the message that the men on this show are the drag on it and the women hold it up seriously there's there's no other way to view it uh i mean <laughs> i think characters internal in their own world you're correct and i also think just the the viewing experience at home 
you know, it's Dower Danny, all these things to think about with my money and my, <laughs> my, my, my home, which is paid for completely that my girlfriend has to live in, but we're not really going to focus on that except for when I'm like, you need to listen to me, woman. They um, even abandon what seemed like an interesting storyline that he's working a job so that he picks up those values. I mean, yeah, like real person a, skills, right? There was a lot to do what with getting to the, to the triads and, and advancing that, that they couldn't, you know, do the, uh, Danny and Albert moving truck show. It, it's, it's an entry into obviously what was going on in Chinatown, but even, even then they couldn't maintain it. Ward is kind of similarly, you know, uh, Similarly, Dower, to be fair, he's also, you know, wrestling a ton of responsibility and a ton of personal but far demons. more watchable. I, and I guess yeah. it's about seeing somebody come to grips with that, that and he's snarky in a way that Danny can't ever be. And, you know, we welcome Ward on on screen. Absolutely. If only because he starts out, Pete, he starts out what we want out of all rich people we want to hear how their lives are measurably worse than ours okay he has all this money and whatnot but he has no one who loves him he has a substance abuse problem he he's having trouble with his personal relationship heck that has resulted in the pregnancy that he did not intend everything is terrible and he works his way out of it and we like him because you know what he ends up being yeah he still is a rich guy and all that but he ends up having everything all figured out and whatnot. And that's admirable. I think similarly with joy, once again, I, once again, I think Danny is the least likable person this season. However, the good news is I don't think that he is uh likeless, if that's a word, I think he's, he's likable. He's just the least likable this season. Nowhere near as much as the first part the first season, we come to care for him more. Uh, and I, I think we'd like to see him happy that different Danny we get at the end at the very, very end with the guns and everything is again, tantalizing because I almost thought they were going to play him like a drunken master. When I saw the beer bottle there, I'm like, Oh no, he's, he's going bad. He's, you know, here he is hanging out with a dude who's struggling for his sobriety and maybe he's trying to drink everything he sees to uh, no, no, I'll save you from that ward. It, it would kind of be sacrificial. Uh, just one more note from me on Ward. I really hope they retain the character of Bethany and I'm anxious to see Ward come back to, because obviously the show's going to be set in New York, um, come back to New York. What with Bethany either preparing to have their child or having done that and how Ward can attempt to integrate that into his life. Not that he needs to be defined by a woman or not that the woman needs to be defined by him you're just arguing for more of that great character pete you had some love there for uh, for danny and uh, you know who agrees that's enza on twitter at enza 0305 who says uh that this season made me love danny which i didn't think would ever happen and colleen even more totally redeemed the show for me after a meh Put mildly, season one. The fights were exciting. The stories were tight. I'm so there for season three. Hashtag Iron Fist. Yeah, uh, again, I'm I'm not as over the moon for Danny, maybe as as Enza, but I I think 
we can't help but like him more. I mean, it was a pretty low bar after that first season. Pete, we have another tweet from Eric Pritchard. That's at Just Pritch. And he says about season two, I thought it was awesome. Loved the ending after not thinking I would when Danny said Colleen should take it. And can't wait to see more. Hashtag make mine Marvel. Pete, what's in your corner of the mailbag? Matt, from the Fantastic Geek Facebook page, James Killen writes in again. He says, wow, great discussion. I had no idea the issue was so intense on Twitter. He's referring to the uh, the um, lady who had uh, written into us, particularly to me, that uh, uh, about false equivalents and uh, you know that we were being too difficult on Bethany and that um, uh, an expectant mother knows to the second, the minute that she's been impregnated. Um, we just had unconscious bias training in my office. And all I can say is that I hope you guys never shy away from uncomfortable conversations. It's easy for any of us to forger. The goal is not to change minds. I think he meant forget, um, instead of forger, uh, to forget. The goal is not to change minds. It's to express opinions and appreciate differences. The content you guys cover is worthy of deep discussion. Uh, and I'd hit him back. I said, thanks so much, James. Um, I, I'd like to think we caught somebody at a bad day. Uh, but she, she didn't want to have a conversation proves her mind was made up and nothing was going to undo that. Um, judging that it was really, uh, the only such reaction. I think the vast majority of our listeners understood our points. Can't win them all, but at least you can hope to be civil and attempt to have a dialogue. And James added, side note, as I'm listening to all the rundown on the Bethany tweets, all I kept thinking was, well, guess my Facebook comment is getting read. Uh, emoji crying. Uh, the, the line in question was interesting to me because uh, of my wife. She's an oral surgeon, and during a very early ultrasound while carrying our daughter, the tech showed her an image at an odd angle that showed the development of the jawbone. So for me, uh, weird doctor slash pregnancy stuff makes sense. But it's easy to forget you guys are doing deep dives on the entire creative process, not just the final product. The fact that you gave Bethany more than a glance proves that you love interesting women on screen. Well, thank you for the kind words there. And I'll just I'll just echo what he's saying that where I think the whole Twitter discussion had been one on on a gender perspective, which was part of it. The majority of our focus was on was on the writing end, not not the things that we by the very nature of our gender, don't completely understand about the conception process or don't completely feel or whatever the proper, whatever the proper verb is there. So bottom line is I'm glad he and listeners and you and I were having this discussion. I don't know if the comment I'm about to make uh, was made on the podcast. I know it was made um, certainly off mic. You know, it, when that, when those tweets had come through, it crossed my mind, oh, should I coordinate with Pete what the response will be? And it was like, no, she has a concern, a question, an observation, whatever it is. Let's have a conversation. You want to have the conversation online because you reach out online, you know, on Twitter? Okay, let's do that. So it's kind of, you know, it's not this canned 
thing. It's like, let's have the organic discussion. And as you said, at a certain point, the discussion wasn't going to move uh, forward anymore. So, so that was that. It would be very easy to freeze something like that out of our podcast. We want to have the dialogue. Uh, we want those perspectives. And we think that's a reason a lot of people listen to us and interact with us. One more, Matt, from Facebook. Robert T. Frost writes in quickly, just watched Iron Fist episode 210, WTF, feeling like I was just served sugar-free saccharine cake, sort of sweet, but a really funky aftertaste. Huh, that is, uh, that, that's the first reaction I've heard that wasn't completely enthusiastic as to the ending now. I'll put myself in his corner for a moment, even though I don't completely, I, I don't completely share that sentiment. I will say this, you know, we discussed earlier how kind of the show is getting all these season three points for the way it ended, or rather it's, it's season two points, despite the fact story-wise, it's kind of the start of season three or a proposed point for season three, um, which, you know, do, should you properly get points for saying, and the adventure concludes. But if you tune in next time, there's going to be this really awesome adventure, the first 60 seconds of which we're going to show you. Look, it's glowing bullets in Japan to be continued. Like, do you get full points for that for the season the way many of us feel? Is that is that a fair uplift? I think maybe he's saying not completely fair. Yeah, and I can certainly see that perspective as well. Just hope we're, we're going to get some follow-up and hear a little bit more. The, the thing that was striking me today as I was preparing for our podcast, Matt, we've never had a calendar year in which we've had all four of the Defenders have their shows. I mean, heck, we never had a calendar year in which three of them had shows air. And we went we went around the horn. We wow, went yeah, Jessica we Jones, Luke Cage, um, Iron Fist and you know I'm I'm six into Daredevil and we're gonna have that uh, all on October 19th so you know that the content continues to come we we talked in the previous episode and I don't want to rehash that conversation here that you know how much more will there be but just thankful to have it while we do and to be podcasting at all like no one else does well and I'll add as a PS to that that though the Punisher is not a member of the Defenders I think, and I don't have the production schedule in front of me, but I think that could be in line for a winter release for season two there. I know Jessica Jones season three is in production, which would probably put that as like a late spring drop. So <laughs> yeah, for, for all the, for all the uh, digital blood verbal and written that's been spilled about what does it mean that there's three less episodes of Iron Fist? Is this the end of everything? Um, they're also cranking out more, as you said, in 2018, and likely in a 12-month period, we will have had all five. If you go, you know, March 8th to March 8th, 2018 to March 7th, 2019. Oh, undoubtedly, probably uh, get Punisher, Punisher as well. Punisher will be out before uh, March, uh, unless there's some kind of uh, intentional slowdown. So yeah, they're they're coming fast and furious at this point, and. Then you throw in the stuff from other networks between Cloak and Dagger and Runaways and, you know, still got Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and everything there. We're not going to bring up the other thing that used to be on ABC anymore that went away. Thanks, Scott Buck. <laughs> uh, well, Pete, the 
conversation is going to continue. We, of course, we're, we're flipping from this in a couple days. We'll be headed to New York Comic Con. Heck, even before that, Pete, tonight, as we are recording this in just a couple hours' time, is the broadcast premiere of God Friend and Me, which yep. takes place in a New, New York. York similar to ours, <laughs> but not the New York of, uh, you know, they had the Battle of New York and the Thanos attack and the Loki and all that. It's kind of more like a low-key New York, like, right. you know, the real one. Not low key New York, but low low key New York. Uh, yeah, we'll be uh, we'll be live tweeting that. Our um, podcast of the pilot episode is already out there, so you can listen to that. If you can't get enough Fantastic Geek, we'll be uh, putting it up again uh, tomorrow Monday um, for for people to check out. And then Matt, you know, we start the short treks on Thursday. We'll be bringing you the first one, Runaway, uh, the the Tilly centric one. Say no more. I know there's previews out there. I'm not watching them, Pete. <laughs> can't wait. Have not had a chance to look at that yet because CBS All Access is really not good with the PR stuff. Uh, so really can't wait to bring you that. And then boom, we're at New York Comic Con. And then after that, we'll be jumping into Daredevil beginning Friday, October 19th. So a lot going on around these parts up in the Fantastic Geek universe. Side note, Pete, I think you're being a little unfair about the CBS All Access PR. Uh, I was reading an article on Recode.net about all the original content streamers, and oh, they actually don't have CBS All Access on their list. Mm. Uh, huh. So I guess somehow it's being forgotten. Mm. Um, but on a more positive note, Pete, as you mentioned, uh, New York Comic Con, we're going to be getting... Uh, runaways we're going to be getting star trek discovery we're going to be getting daredevil we're going to be getting spider-man into the spider-verse we're going to be getting a ton of fun stuff seeing some familiar faces for sure hopefully coming across some new people as well and uh, should be a good time had by all can't wait how can people be in touch with you pete you can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-L-A-R, K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 10,018 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Visit FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Gmail, and Instagram. We are Fantastic Geek as well. Now's a great time for Instagram, by the way, Pete, with all the Comic-Con yeah, stuff coming the up. cosplay. There had been some questions about, you know, uh, the, the cosplay and hoping people would uh would be checking it out so uh yeah we'll uh we'll be there for you pete how else can people be in touch with us even if they're still smarting from yet another hacking facebook.com slash fantastic geek with the ph all one word like it today well pete this puts the iron fist podcast by fantastic geek into uh into its own hiatus mode Something tells me, Pete, ooh, within a couple of weeks of Halloween, we will be back to announce uh, a season three order. Uh, but uh, until then, Pete, the adventure continues in the Pop Culture Podcast feed with all the things that we've previously mentioned. So with that, I will say adios to all the listeners and give you the final season two word. More Colleen.